Our second panel is entitled Racial and Medical Histories and contains two papers. The first is by Dr. Daniel Beer of Royal Holloway. His paper is entitled The Human Sciences in Revolutionary Russia, using specialist and thick journals. Thank you very much. Um, thanks for um, thanks to the organisers for um, inviting me to speak. Um, I feel a bit of a fraud standing up here because um, I have um, next to no uh, formal historical training uh, at all. Um, my my background um, is actually in literature um, as an undergraduate, uh, and um, I mean the thing that finally sort of became my 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 book and my my other publications um, have um, are essentially the, the the product of a kind of comedy of errors. Um, uh, in the uh, uh, Russian archives and uh, libraries, I, I originally, um, I mean, well, my, my, my book looks at uh, sort of psychiatry, criminology, and, and uh, broadly speaking, the human sciences from about the 1880s through to the end of the 1920s. My original research uh, project um, for my PhD. Uh, was a study of the, the social history of the terror in Leningrad's factories in the 1930s. So um, it gives you some sense of the distance um, uh, travelled um, uh, during during the course of my my PhD. Um, I, I I mean my my, my experience of, of uh, sort of I can only echo much of what was said um, uh, earlier on about the kind of difficulties of, of, of working in the in the archives. I originally my project was founded around uh, trying to get access to the um, uh, to the uh, party archive in uh, St Petersburg, um, which was at the time when I presented myself there was kind of formally closed uh, but informally open to people that uh, Comrade Babordin uh, wished to let in. I, I never made it onto the kind of, uh, onto the A-list um, and, and uh, you know, spent then really about six months kind of on the back foot uh, in the state archive, um, you know, looking, trying to find um, uh, documents uh, relating to uh, to the terror um, in the 1930s, and with very, very um, uh, sort of uh, mixed uh, success. Um, but what, what I did um, end up finding, and I suppose if I sort of, if I can sort of try to um, to draw anything positive out of this that might you know be instructive, um, it, it was really that what um, what I did end up discovering in in many of the, the documents, which you know didn't really yield much else. Was quite an insistent language, a sort of medicalized language uh, used by uh, party officials, and also did kind of filter down to the level of, of um, you know, rank and file workers um, in these um, in these factories, places like the Kirov factory, um, to talk about uh, wreckers, Trotskyists, and so on. So um, after about you know six months of floundering around, um, I I uh, decided that it it might be quite interesting to kind of. Um, to, uh, to to trace whether this actually was simply a kind of metaphorical language, which you know has been used to stigmatise marginal groups since time you know, immemorial, um, or or whether it had a kind of particular resonance. And um, in the in the Soviet press that I was reading alongside my forays into the into the state archive. Um, I also found quite a lot of, uh, you know, instances by leading party figures um, of, you know, this aggressive 
uh, sort of medicalization uh, of the or sort of pathologization of uh, of the opposition of of kulaks of enemies of the people uh, and so on. And in one case, I found uh, references to uh, psychiatric publications um, uh, by you know kind of the the what was by the the, the sort of late twenties the the Soviet psychiatric uh, establishments, um, and you know, I sort of pursued these um, these uh, references and uh, ended up um, uncovering, you know, a kind of a, a, a you know a, a, a real bounty of um, criminological, psychiatric, psychological literature in um, specialist journals uh, in the. In the early 1920s, um, and I then began to kind of trace it back beyond the 1920s into the into the late imperial period, um, and actually, of you know, my 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 um, even my PhD, uh, I think only one of the four chapters, and in my book, only one of the five chapters dealt at all with the Soviet period. I mean, it was very much looms very large in, in, in what I wrote about. But I suppose so. What what I would kind of Say that is is um, I think it's been said you know go in with an open mind and be I suppose sort of try to turn um, you know try to turn necessity um, into you know a kind of resource I mean don't be wedded uh, to your topic I mean I, I think I, I I mean I was caught flat-footed I mean partly actually through lack of my own preparation I'm not um, it wasn't just down to Comrade Baburin. Um, but uh, you know, I think that there is, you know, there is a virtue in in being ready to kind of, um, you know, run run with themes that may initially appear to be sort of um, marginal to your to your primary um, to your primary area of um, of concern. Um, so, in terms of the sources that I ended up um, I ended up using, um, they were basically. Um, a combination of uh, publications um, in sort of respected uh, sort of, uh, scientific uh, journals, medical journals, legal journals, but also um, this this wonderful source, um, which the uh, Russian, uh, the late imperial period has bequeathed to us of the thick journal, um, and uh, the thick journals, as the Russians call them, um, I'm sure many of you are familiar with them. Um, are basically sort of collections of um, uh, articles um, covering, a, you know, an extraordinary array of, um, of of topics. You know, sociology, history, literature. Um, very often, quite um, you know what we would today regard as quite sort of uh, hard science. Um, and um, you know, they are effectively a kind of you know, this is sort of civil society. At work, and if you wanted to pick up civil society in the 1880s or 1890s, it looks like a thick journal. It's got about 500 pages, and it's published uh, every every month, or sometimes every every two weeks. Um, and so, what using these these journals and all the attendant publications that they threw up, uh, you know, enabled me to do. Um, I mean, with with you know, again, I'm not I'm all, what in theory they enabled me to do with questionable success. Um, was to argue that these, you know, these sort of scientific ideas really bleed out into the public realm, uh, that they that they are uh, prominent uh, in shaping um, the popular imagination uh, in the uh, in the late uh, imperial uh, period. 
Now, in terms of using the journals, it was. I mean, I suppose I don't. I've, I feel kind of again rather um, rather humbled at the the uh, at the extent of sort of um, research skills uh, on display because it was quite straightforward business of of pursuing references and pursuing footnotes actually backwards, you know, um, through these various journals. Um, but I did also find. Um, I did most of my research in the uh, in the Library of the Academy of Sciences uh, in St. Petersburg, and some of it uh, in the Publichka. And um, in both institutions, um, I found that um, you must, as quickly as possible, make very good friends with the bibliograph. Uh, it doesn't matter what system they have in place; there will be kind of corners of the library and catalogues that don't exist on any radar that only these people uh, know about um, and uh, if you're able to kind of get them uh, on the side um, they you know they, they are a, a quite extraordinary resource um, I mean I, I had uh, in, in the bun uh, I had one uh, young um, uh, I mean most of them are quite sort of old and wizened uh, but one one young um, uh, woman who was extraordinarily helpful, who actually was emailing me um, bibliographies, uh, you know, sort of a hundred items that she'd found on the topic of degeneration, and you know, some of these things were things that I could, I mean, I would have found myself, I mean, sort of just by working back through footnotes. But there were also references to really obscure plays by you know playwrights that you know history has justly forgotten, um, um, but which still contains, um, you know, uh, sort of uh, examples and references um, uh, which, which, which I, found, um, uh, I found invaluable. Um, I also found, um, I mean, perhaps it's not surprising with, with, the, um, with the medical literature, but of course it's, it's absolutely, and I sort of Dan knows, Dan knows this uh, better than I do, but it's absolutely part of a kind of pan-European conversation that was taking place. So many of these sources were at the same time referencing contemporary French, British uh, and uh, German publications, actually to the point where it wasn't really possible to make sense of many of their arguments unless you went back and read you know, the pamphlet by Gustave Le Bon or Gabriel Tard or you know, uh, Kraft Ebbing or, or, or Lombroso or these other people. Um, because the uh, what was clear from these journals was that their, their, their working assumption was that their readers were already familiar with this uh, literature. Um, so I would sort of, I guess I would in, you know, um, make a plea for, in, in this kind of sort of cultural or intellectual history, um, to um, you know, not to become too sort of Russo-centric uh, in, in your treatment of um, sources. Um, the great thing about these publications from the point of view of of uh, actually writing stuff that people may sometimes be inclined to read is that they, they throw up fantastic case studies. Um, so, you know, particular scenes in literature are exhaustively discussed for what they can reveal about human psychology, or particular legal cases are poured over and they're discussed backwards and forwards, and they're quite, they're quite sort of. Um, they can be quite arresting ways of, you know, kind of anchoring an article or a discussion about something that might otherwise be very kind of abstract. Um, if you can, you know, draw on these, um, um, draw draw on these particular um, stories. Um, as I, as I said at the beginning, my my training was as a as a you know in 
basically in, in, in literature. And um, what I tried to do, um, I mean, again, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying whether or not I was successful. What I tried to do, even with stuff that was ostensibly very academic and dry, you know, discussing the, the, um, discussing the transfer of hereditary or environmental influences from one generation to another, or the ways in which human beings are capable of exerting sub-rational influence over each other, or, or subconscious influence over each other. I tried to sort of use them as uh, literary texts. Um, I think in, in a lot of the, um, in the historiography dealing with science um, uh, and scientific publications, quite a lot of it is reduced to, or sort of interpretative, interpretatively flattened into a proposition that this is all about kind of institutional or professional will to power. So this is about, you know, scientists, social human scientists, um, laying claims uh, to, uh, you know, on, 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 on the public uh, in the service of institutional funding, professional prestige, uh, sort of, you know, corporate, um, you know, corporate ideas of, you know, respect, solidarity, and so on. And I think, of course, that is an important, um, you know, there is that dimension in it, and it's, it, it certainly is um, uh, it, it, uh, important. But I, I tried to, uh, in a sense, interrogate these, these kind of scholarly academic discussions in much the same way that you would, um, you know, literary or journalistic uh, publications, you know, as a, as a sort of register of contemporary concerns, uh, anxieties, and so on. And I think um, if 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 that approach is taken, they yield much much more in terms of their language, in terms of the in terms of the metaphors they use, and uh, and so on. So I. I um, um, I think even when it is sort of scientific or medical literature, um, it can, you know, be treated as almost as sort of poetry. Um, what, one one thing also um, uh, sort of related to that is that these these texts, and I think this is very well demonstrated by um, uh, Irina Sirotkina in her book uh, Diagnosing Literary Genius. Um, lo lots of these. Um, Practitioners of, 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 of the legal and um, uh, um, and uh, medical establishments use literary sources themselves as as examples um, uh, to to illustrate their own work. So there's a, there's a great deal of sort of blurring of boundaries between the scientific and the literary and the journalistic uh, and so on. Um, I'd, I'd also, uh, again, I mean, although I mean, my entire project was a spin-off, there were still spin-offs within the spin-off, and I would encourage you to um, to uh, pursue them. I mean, I, just to give what one example, one of the uh, one of my munchkins about whom I wrote, uh, who appeared in quite a lot of my uh, chapters. Um, when compiling a bibliography, I found that he had published a foreword in. Um, a journal called Missionary Review, um, which was a, a publication by the by the the, 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 the kind of orthodox uh, the hierarchy of the Orthodox Church, um, in which he was uh, sanctioning the application of uh, scientific theories to um, explain sectarianism in Russia. And when I looked at this publication, I discovered that the, this journal uh, was absolutely full of. Um, scientific stigmatizations of sectarianism, 
uh, and of actually the other um, you know um, uh, old old believers, Baptists and so on, as um, psychiatrically deviant. And this, uh, and it wasn't just this journal, but it turned out that there was a whole body of literature being produced by the Orthodox Church, kind of advice literature, both for missionaries but also for the parish clergy, on how they should view the threats posed to you know confessional hegemony of the Orthodox Church by the rise of the sectarians. And this, this was another example of just a sort of a random footnote which kind of led uh, uh, somewhere and actually came finally to form the basis of, a, uh, of an article. Um, I just finally, in the last one of my couple of minutes, um, I mean, in the spirit of humility that is usually induced by a few abusing, um, abusing, abusive, um, bruising uh, reviews uh, uh, of, of one's work, um, I, w I would like to say something about what I think are the kind of limits of, of, of using these sources and what the dangers can be. And I think one of the dangers is that you tend to kind of fetishize these sources, uh, as I did at the beginning of my talk, as being Pub, you know that is civil society. That is public culture, um, and um, I mean one of the things for which I, I've you know, my, my my book's been criticised. I think you know by and large with 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 good, with good cause um, is that it, 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 you can end up sort of treating these articles and this conversation as sort of free floating. It, it's it becomes too abstracted from. The social context in which it actually operates. I mean, how does it how does it inform uh, the way in which uh, criminals are treated? How does it inform public policing? Uh, how how does it inform you know, the uh, the decision making of uh, of, of, of political uh, elites uh, and so on? And I, I think that there are examples um, where um, uh, you know other historians have have, have probably better. Uh, linked this material with archival sources, um, sort of you know, tying together kind of discourse and practice. And one of them is sitting a few phrases away. Um, so, so I, I, I think uh, the uh, the risk with with using published literature in this way uh, is that actually it can it it, it 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 threatens to kind of elide the social. Uh, that it can obscure it, and that actually you're, you're, you 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 can sort of suffer from a from a kind of an analytical myopia um, if you if you shelve questions of how these ideas um, tie into sort of broader fields of social and political practice.